Blog Talk Radio. Music, 
and laughter. The hustle and bustle of the holidays can be fun and exciting. Sometimes, though, the holiday season can present overwhelming emotions and triggering moments. Holidays and family get-togethers can be trying for anyone. But for survivors of child sexual abuse, they can be even more difficult, especially if your family is tied to your abuse in some way. It could be that they didn't believe you, that they didn't stop it, that they don't support you in getting help, or that the person who perpetrated your abuse is in your family. For some survivors, the holidays represent the frightening possibility of being in the same room as the person who abused them. So as a survivor, how can you handle the holidays? Or if you're someone who loves and supports a survivor, what can you do to make the experience less stressful for them? Whether you're a survivor or a supporter, you'll find tools below, and I will read those tools, that can help you traverse this time of year with safety and hopefully end up feeling more peace and less dread than you have in the past. And with that little introduction, I will say um, welcome to Lori and Philip and Dr. Nancy. And would any of you like to comment in general on the holidays and being a child abuse survivor? Oh, I can do this one so easily. Um, oh, this thank is the you. Biggest, this is the biggest thing that when uh, kids think about all year round of happening, it's the holidays. This is because all the good families, they are together and you're seeing it and you're not included in that bunch and there's nobody really out because everybody's with friends and family. So it hits hard. So for so many years, I hated the holidays uh, just for that reason. Um, I had good neighbors and I was very glad, you know, that they had families and whatnot, but I didn't. You know, we didn't do Thanksgiving, we didn't do Christmas, we didn't do anything. So now that Mm -hmm. I got married and it's 45 years later and I had a kid in between that, I'm now at the point where I've turned it around and focused on what was good in my family for the the holidays, like it was a creation. And now I actually can put up with some holidays. But outside there for kids, there are so many other reasons uh, for hating the holidays, but a good part of them is because they're jealous and they feel empty inside. That's everything I know about, you know, the kids on the street during holidays. Thank you. That was a lovely introduction for us. Thank you. And how about you, Dr. Nancy? Would you like to comment on the holidays in general? Yes, um, definitely a a good topic, you know. Um, A lot of people um, who've been through abuse or foster care system have lost a lot of that connection with family, especially if they've been, you know, misplaced, displaced, different homes, different family members, things like that, or 
with strangers, right? And um, and having gone through that, it does affect your ability to build that connection with family. And sometimes people get anxiety, they get depressed during the holidays. I know we talked about the holiday uh, blues last probably a couple of shows ago with uh, Miss Carol. And and it's a real thing, you know. It really does have an effect on people. Uh, you start really thinking about, you know, just what you've been through or uh, having anxiety because you're going to be coming around some of the family members who probably abused you or didn't protect you or that you still have conflict with. Uh, and so it's a lot of anxiety around the holidays, and that's a very big um, thing. It's a common thing, unfortunately. Um, I normally, you know, just for myself and what I share with some of my clients is focus on the good things. Focus on what you do have. You have your health. I mean, and this is just things to help get us through the holidays. But to be honest with you, the feelings are real and they're very valid. You know, the emotions are real and they're very valid. Um, But, you know, to help us get through it, I normally am like, hey, you know, one of the things you can do Try to focus on the little things that you do have or the big things that you do have. Be grateful for that. Fill yourself with that. I didn't force myself this year to be around people who I know may not like me or respect me. I'm really big on that. And so I just stay away, um, stay away from certain, certain people. And guess what? I had a peaceful Thanksgiving at home with the people in my house. It was peaceful, quiet, and I was happy. I didn't have to force myself in circles and and elevate my anxiety and go through all of that. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I know, um, you know, that definitely I can relate to the topic when you started talking about it because I did it this year. I took peace and quiet over any type of stress, disrespect, or chaos. Philip, that was that mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Philip, he's the only one who haven't really chimed in. The holidays give me anxiety, so I just like lock myself in the bathroom or hide away in the bathtub or whatever. For how long? Well, like for like fifteen or thirty minutes. Just that once a day, or multiple times during the day. Like once or twice. The most okay, I've ever done that, is twice. Because that's where you feel the safest. Yeah. So a lot of bad stuff was going on, especially during the holidays, and you couldn't get anywhere else, so that's where you found yourself. So, yes, I can see exactly why the holidays bother you. By the way, I do feel so, so bad for you, you know, if I happen to witness whatever it was you witnessed and having to go through all that to land you um, where you were. But i got to tell you, uh, I, I was here when you first came on. From then to now, you've made a lot of progress. So stick with it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's you know that's good. If that's something that helps you to cope and it helps you to feel more safe and secure, then there you go. You know, anything that helps to kind of comfort you and help you through it, because holidays can be very stressful. And they can definitely elevate anxiety. And so um, 
again, many of us can understand. So uh, what do you do when you feel, uh, do you get anxiety as well? And then what do you do to help you cope with it? Like I said, for me, I just, I try to just, I don't force myself. I don't force myself anymore. I go with my, with the flow. If I feel like, hey, it's better, it's more peaceful for me to stay away, then that's what I do. I don't force myself. I don't add to the already um, high level of anxiety, anxious type of situation. I just try to keep it as peaceful as possible in my life, at this point in my life where I am. But does anybody have any pointers to share? Besides, you know, hey, even breathing is a good one. Okay. Dr. Nancy, this is Annie, and I'm back. Hi, Miss Annie. I'm glad you're back on. We couldn't hear yeah, you. You know what? <laughs> it was the Bluetooth. The Bluetooth oh. jumped out and went into a speaker in my bedroom instead oh. of being on the phone. <laughs> oh, I don't know why. If I knew why, I could prevent it. Um, but in any case, I'm, I'm back. Hopefully, it, it won't happen again. And if it does, I know what Bluetooth is. Okay, so I don't want to be interrupting Mm -hmm. anything. Were you guys doing anything while I was gone? No, I just asked um, if anybody had some pointers of things that helped them kind of get through the holiday stress, uh, the stress of the holidays. And I just shared for me personally, I just stay away sometimes. And, you know, I'll stay home. Like this Thanksgiving, I had a nice, peaceful, and sweet Thanksgiving. I just stayed home, away from everybody. And I enjoyed myself resting and not being, you know, worried or anxious or stressed. I had peace. And so I didn't force myself into a situation. And I know sometimes that can be a little difficult when you, you know, probably have a relationship with some of your family members and you still have to show up. And then the other ones may show up, the ones that are not kind or respectful or, you know, you may not have a good relationship with. But I I had just asked. Uh, what may be some of the tools that have helped you all cope with those situations when they do arise? I do uh, projects. I always um, uh, lean towards the artistic side. So what I've done is something that took a lot of time uh, for the whole day. Um, I mean, there's always TV updates like today. You can watch TV, you can watch movies, and you can play games all day long. But I like to be visually aware of everything that's going on, I mean, not staring at a screen. So I put myself in a room I created, uh, very colorful. I got everything decorated with animals of some type, whether they're sculptures or embroidered or painted or whatever they are. And this is where I have different stations that I've set up, which are basically tables and I've got like four six-foot tables in here, um, another eight-foot table, oh my four. I mean, it's a big room, and I never had this before. Plus, I'm looking at a fireplace, so visually I'm set. And at these stations, what I did, I put one for puzzles. One's got my TV, one's got my computer, one's got uh, junk that I have nowhere else to put yet because it was still new here. The other's got my my colorings because I do colorings and donate them to the kids in the hospitals for color. You know, I 
can't handle kids being in the hospital. And, and basically, if they're really sick, they're laying down, so the only thing they have are their eyes. So I create something just for them to look at. And in the middle station, I've got my two embroidery machines. And in front of that, I have a diamond painting set up. And then there's another table I'm telling you, this room is big, that I have with all my yarn. I used to make that. Um, I see homeless people. Um, I've donated to foster care. Anything has to do with children who either have been abused and end up in different agencies or ones that I actually know on the street. Um, this is a new state for us this winter, but I've already seen people out on the street, so I'm definitely going to um, crochet them some scarves. So all what I do may be different, but what I do takes up that whole day. So I don't have to think that next door is having a big family reunion, you know, uh, for Christmas and, you know, doing all the fun stuff. And that was, you know, how I found what works for me. I mean, I'm imagining a kid, and, you know, of course would have different options, but the idea is to get, create a safe place, like, you know, like, like Philip does. Philip, take a, a drawing pad in with you, a comic book or something, make it better for yourself there. But you have to be somewhere, and when days like this, uh, holiday days comes, then you just jump yourself into one of the projects that take all day. And then the day goes by, and it's tomorrow before you know it. Well, I think that's excellent advice. Thank you. And I'm envisioning your workroom with all these fabulous tables with fabulous activities on them. And I, I too, crochet and color. I, I paint, too, a little bit. I'm just learning. And... I know that doing creative things, things that don't cause me to think, like to think about abuse, to think about my past, I can get out of my mind when I'm working on something creative. And uh, thank you for that good plan. Thanks. Okay. Um, I'll go back to this little article because it does give us tools. And here we go. As you decide what tools to add to your holiday survival kit, trust your intuition. If something feels right, try it. If something feels like it's not for you, that's okay. You can simply move on to the next thing. Some things may be easier if you practice them before a potentially triggering situation. That's good advice especially grounding techniques, which are techniques that can help you focus on and stay in the present moment. For example, when you first learned how to tie your shoes, it probably took a lot of thought, time, and concentration. Now you can probably tie them without even looking. It may take a lot of energy the first few times, but you'll improve your ability the more often you do it. So the more you practice a technique, the more effective it will be for you in moments of distress. Plan ahead. One of the best things that you can do for yourself before any event, party, or get-together is to plan ahead. 
We tried to make it easier for you by creating the guide below. Okay, so here comes the guide. Step one, and we'll stop after this step and, and uh, talk again. To step one, identify people who can help. There are a variety of ways to manage triggers, but one thing that can be especially helpful at a party or gathering is identifying a person or a group of people who are safe and supportive. This could be someone attending the same event, like a family member or a friend. It could also be someone you can call or text, like a therapist, if things start to feel overwhelming. Reach out to this supporter or supporters before the event and let them know that you might need help at the event. Okay, and with that first idea, um, I'll stop again and, and see if anybody would like to comment. Well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm noticing, and I just spent my first year in Pennsylvania, but what I'm noticing is that they have a lot of, um, in grocery stores, um, papers on their, their little board there with activities and all kinds of programs and stuff to go for the holidays, even where to have dinner. And it's quite different than in New York, that's for sure. And I really think that uh, that's a good idea, you know, what I'm seeing that. So, yeah, there's a group of people just like us. I mean, we're not the only ones in the world that don't like holidays. People, so many of us with the way child abuse is, you know, the people in the street that are regularly there, I mean, the gangs that are out there, you, do you really think they go home for the holidays? They don't go home for the holidays, and if they do, it, it doesn't turn out well, and that's why they're on the streets in the first place. So there's always some place to belong to, even if it's not where you would ideally like. So yes, I uh, I agree. You got to find a nice a nice place to put yourself into. Cause where we lived, we didn't have it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I I want to respond to this idea of having a safe person. When I started going to um, recovery meetings for survivors, I made some friends. And when Thanksgiving came around, I didn't go to my family. I invited my friends over to my house. And that was the best Thanksgiving I had ever had because I had people who, who knew what I was about, who were supportive of me, who were glad to be there. And it was wonderful. And, um, okay, I just got a message. Okay. Um, oh, I want to say one other thing, too, and that is if you have to go to a family thing, take a friend because a lot of friends aren't going to go to their families if they're survivors. So they might be willing to go to your family to be supportive of you. It's a thought you could ask, you know. Okay, how about uh, Philip? Do you have a comment? Um, so I guess like you could say that my mentor um, and NASCA are my safe people. All right. Thank you. That was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I think it's really important to identify a safe person. Uh, and I also like what Lori was saying earlier. Art therapy has always been really good for me. 
I haven't tried to do it during the holidays, so that's a new one for me. I normally just do it in between, you know, just life. But um, and during the holidays, I'm too busy cooking, and so maybe that's still an art form of therapy, right? There, cooking, you know, you're cutting things, mm-hmm. you're seasoning, you're looking at, you know, you're, you're putting it together, you brown it, and then you stew it, and then, so for me, I have fun doing that, and I get my mind off of things. So I do, I do believe strongly in art therapy. I like painting and. Well, things like that. So I think that's a beautiful way to distract your mind and to get into another zone, right? Absolutely. Uh, but as far as I think it's yeah, I think it's definitely important to find a safe person, whether it's like some a family member that you trust, or if it's um, a loved one, or a counselor, or a coach. Um, some people have you know their pets, <laughs> and so. We have a lot of um, people who have their their animals, the service uh, pets, and it's very comforting for them. So um, yeah, I thought that was that was good. That was a great point, and I definitely can uh, relate. No, I didn't even Thank think you. about the pets. That's a wonderful idea. Get yourself around pets. Yeah. You get all the my, locks my, my pet is Santa suit. It's a chihuahua. Oh, Is it nasty <laughs> like the rest? I mean, because so many people, you know, with their kids and whatnot, I see them out. And the chihuahuas are always in a nasty mood. So I didn't know if it was the breed <laughs> or just who they were with. <laughs> my, my little girl is pretty happy, but she's extremely shy. She doesn't do well with other people, but that's okay. She's happy with me. Awesome. Okay, let's uh, let's go on. Okay, this next section is think about what you will need from your supporter. When you reach out to let supporters know that you might need their help. It can be a good idea to let them know a few things that you think will be helpful. This will allow both of you to know what your expectations are. For instance, if you only want someone to listen, it's important to let your supporter know that. Otherwise, they may try to fix the problem and make you feel worse. You can also ask them to remind you of a grounding technique that you have found effective. Or ask them to give you an excuse to leave early if you need it. I like that. Any comments on that passage? I definitely think it's on the list for a really good reason. Definitely. How many things are actually on the list? Oh, let me see. Is there a number? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, good. Nine. Yeah, I'm going to limit what I say. I want everybody to get in on this one. It's a good subject, good topic. Mm-hmm. And good article, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. What ta- what it, What paper did you find it in? Where was it on well, I don't the know what they. Uh, the acronym is SAPRIA. S A 
T-R-E-A dot org. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go on to the next section. Plan out a response to any sexual abuse-related questions. When the Me Too movement began in 2017, it opened up the space for survivors to share their stories and have conversations about sexual abuse. If the people at your event know you're a survivor, it may come up in conversation. If this happens, keep in mind that you are in control of your story, and you don't have to talk about it unless you want to. Plan out a few responses you can use if someone brings this up and you don't want to share your story or only want to share a part of your story. Has that ever happened to anybody that someone at a holiday has brought up your abuse? No, oh boy. That's really hard when you're living with your abuser and you have to see them every holiday. You know, and it's also the time, believe it or not, that the predators on the outside, they know that there's going to be a group of kids out there because they don't fit the norm. So they come by too. You know, it's like everything is related. But I talked to myself. I want to hear from more Nancy and Philip. And you too. <laughs> Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment? Well, can you repeat the question? Just one more time, sorry. In the middle of something here as well. I'm sorry, the the question? Yes, or what was just what were you just talking about? Oh, it doesn't the, the really tell us the question. Yeah, it says the people at your event may know that you're a survivor and it may come up in conversation. If this happens, keep okay. in mind that you are in control of your story. Okay, and then you and then you said has this happened to anyone or something? Okay. So right, that, I did that's say the part that. that I missed. I heard a question, but I wasn't oh. sure what was the part. Okay. So, um, yeah, it has. It has happened because I speak about it publicly. Uh, so it has happened to me before. Um, some people are inappropriate and just they just sometimes they say anything that comes to their mind. Some people are dealing with mental illness. Some people are, you know, not, they or they haven't been taught. You know, they, they, they lack tact. Right, and not tactful. So um, you're right. If that happens, and you feel embarrassed because it's not, you know, I'm big on if I invite you into a conversation that's like that over steps boundaries, then I'm okay with that. But if I didn't invite you into a conversation and you just interject yourself, that can sometimes be a little bit, you know, a very it could it could offend me, right? But um, mm-hmm. definitely we have the right to choose whether we answer or we don't uh, and how we answer. Uh, and so, you know, if it's something you don't really care about, you can just say, uh, you know, I really don't care to speak about that at this time. Uh, you know, and, and, and taking our power back because that's a form of abuse, again. 
if someone's interjecting and talking about a topic that you did not invite them to discuss, it can, and then you feel forced into, you know, speaking about something that you're not even comfortable discussing with that person because you never even opened up that conversation and shared with them in that manner. It's, it could be very abusive. You could feel violated. And so, you know, take your power back and feel comfortable saying, I don't feel comfortable talking about this. And shut it down. Mm-hmm. Or or if you feel comfortable talking about it, make a teachable moment. That's for me. Mm-hmm. The way I would address it. Mm-hmm. And if you plan it in 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 advance, then it feels more comfortable when mm-hmm. you're saying it. Like if you practice yeah, that was in front of a mirror or something. Practice with your dog. There we go. <laughs> or cat. <Ooh. laughs> yes. Practice with your pet. <laughs> Thank that you. Philip, would you like to speak? Sure. Um, well, for this Thanksgiving, I was on the call with NASCA, and my mom asked me if I was on the call for my abuse people, and I said yes. So I guess that kind of counts, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. How did that make you feel when she asked you that? Well, I'm still trying to figure out, like, if she played a role in my abuse and what her part was. So I don't know how it made me feel yet. Okay. All right. Thank you. you want to find out, right? What? It's like it's time to find out. Yeah. That's good. Thank you, Philip. Okay, now the next tool is make a list of positive affirmations. Having some positive affirmations ready to use can be a great way to maintain a a sense of safety in a stressful situation. You can come up with affirmations that are as general or specific as you like. Keep in mind that you want these to be encouraging and calming. Instead of saying, my family will never accept who I am now, you could tell yourself, I am enough. Say your affirmations out loud for practice and see how they make you feel. You can even try writing them down in prominent places so that you see them in the days leading up to the holiday. Okay. Well, I I have a positive affirmation that I would like to share. I say it all the time. I didn't make it up. I read it somewhere, but I don't know where. It it is, I am good, I am happy, I am free from pain. That's my regular affirmation. Would anyone else like like to weigh in on affirmations? Well, I don't know if it's an actual affirmation. It's just more of a phrase that I've learned that I know because I've learned <laughs> through age that this happens. The bad things that were, as you know, that you get past them and you start to heal. And then there's more stuff that happens. And everything gets pushed in the back. And then you're, when you're at the present, you learn that as bad as the situation that you could be in now, there are... Ways to get out. You know, it's important to take your head 
your head space out. So if you look in the mirror and you say you're just not a pretty person and, and you know it, um, don't don't stare at the mirror, you know. Your looks change. Just like everything else is, is going to change. And that's how I get through life. This is the way it is. So for me living like that, I don't know. I mean, I think of artistic signs of putting up on like the curtains or something so I could see every day um, and I don't have to think, which is a good way to do it. But if you start with that positive attitude, whatever works for you, um, it's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We have another caller on the line. I'm going to open the mic. Hold on. Okay, and say hello. Caller on area code 908. May I ask who's calling, please? It would be me. Carol. I knew it. (laughs) Is that you, Carol? I I was listening to Yes. I was listening to what you guys were saying. I'm, I sound awful. I can't help it. I'm sick of the dog. But Aww. I just wanted to sort of like listen to what you were talking about. I, I think affirmation is a good thing, you know, for people to um, to have because we were down to all our lives, right, so often. And we need to build that self-esteem back up if it ever was up, all right, so that we can um, have a better feeling about ourselves. And whatever it takes to make you feel good about yourself, I think that that's, you know, important. Um, with me, it was always working with people, you know, um, helping other people. And that's where I got strength from. It makes you feel better about you because you're doing something positive. See, that's where the positivity comes in. And it's a good mm-hmm. thing to do that because you're um, you're on a journey. We're all on a journey. Some of, of us are further than others, Okay. And that doesn't matter. But um, as we go along in our journey, if we do positive things to help other people, then they respond more positive to us because they're so thankful that we're helping them and that we're caring, okay? And that makes you feel good. So there's all different ways of of learning to love yourself, to accept yourself, to um, think of yourself as a better person because, again, we were knocked down so much as a child, You'll never amount to anything, right? Okay. Yeah. And uh, like like Lori was saying, if you're funny looking, <laughs> I heard that. Um, you know, it, um, you know. Remember, beauty comes from within. All right. The outside is 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 nothing. I had a niece that was very very pretty. I mean, really pretty. Okay. And I said to um, my um, the other side of the family, I, I said to her, my sister-in-law, I couldn't think, I'm so sick. I said to my sister-in-law, I said, oh, Lisa, her name was Lisa, too. I said, Lisa is so, so, so pretty. And she said to me, pretty is as pretty does. And she's right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if you're, yep. what are your, yeah. So if you... You know, do nice things and and be good to people and all this other stuff. It doesn't matter whether you're pretty or whether you're not pretty or or whatever. People are going to be drawn to you. 
and, and, and the sense of being drawn to you, they're going to like you, and all these positive things that you're speaking about make you stronger, and then that's good. That's healing on your healing journey. Yeah. Thank you, Carol, and I hope that your medicine is helping you soon. It's not doing much now, yes. <laughs> I wish it would. <laughs> I know I sound terrible, but this is why oh, I'm you sound tonight. Fine. Yeah. I sound like I'm talking through my nose, and I am, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's go on to the next tool. It is know when to say no. Very important. No one knows what you need better than you do. And sometimes what you need is to not attend a family gathering or holiday event. There can be immense power and relief when you choose to say no. It's not always easy, however, especially if you feel as though you're disappointing someone. Take some time to practice declining the invitation. You can even ask a friend to help you role play what you're going to say. The important thing to remember is that you're doing what is best for you and your well-being. It is not selfish. It is self-care. All right. Anybody want to comment on declining the invitation? I agree with that. <laughs> That's it. When you get to the point where you can sit there and you know, you're old enough and whatnot and just say no and then they leave you on your own, you know, you don't have to be where anybody else who you don't like is going to be. It's empowering. You know, it saves it. So, yeah, I think this is another good one on the list. Yeah. I really like it because... Um, even though I love my family, sometimes they're mean to me. And I'd prefer not to have someone be mean to me on a holiday, and so I avoid them. So that's what I do. <laughs> and who else would like to comment on that? You know what I do with my family? I stay away from them. <laughs> no, um, Miss Funny Lady here. My, I, I love my kids, okay, and but as it, as I was growing up, I didn't like, um, you know, my media family because they were so cruel, okay. So um, I couldn't do anything. Kids can't do anything as they're growing up because they're just kids. But when you get older, you know, to the point where you're out on your own and all that other stuff, you don't have to go to family functions. You know, you really don't. Um, if people make you feel uncomfortable, um, maybe your abuser was in, you know, a part of the family. Sixty percent uh, comes from family of, of abuse. Sixty percent. I just read that a little while ago. That's a um, mm-hmm. new stat, and and that's a, that's a lot. Okay, so if you don't feel like like I would never, I didn't want to go and see my stupid brother. I call him stupid brother. It makes me feel better. Because he could never mm-hmm. take his hands off of me. So why would I want to go see him? Why would I be at the same table with him? So they would place us with him right across from me, I swear to God. So we would have a kicking match under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stand him, and he couldn't stand me. And um, 
and he was he was evil. Uh, he would get looks on his face that were just evil. Okay. So when I got to the point where I was older, um, I would either go the day before, maybe even help cook. Okay. Um, you know, keep busy and and visit with the people that I liked. Or, um, well, you could always go for seconds the next day after. You know what I'm saying? And uh, then yep. see those same people that you like. Rather than being put in a situation with, a, with toxic people that make you, you know, try to pull you down, and it doesn't matter what age you are because when they're toxic, they're toxic, and they're not going to change, okay? So it's better to stay away from those people and work around a different schedule. That's what I tell people when I do, um, you know, presentations because they ask that. They don't want to mm-hmm. see those people. I don't either. Thank you. Mhm. Any other comments? And Carrie Sebastello, are you close to any of your cousins? Do you have cousins? Um, Me, I have. I, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I said you say Annie or Philip. Oh, Philip, you. I have three cousins. Around so, like, your age. Two cousins and one nephew. They're a little bit older than me. They're maybe like five or ten years older than me. And you get along with them? I mean, they talk to you and all? We don't talk at all. Ah, okay. Well, at least there's still someone out there that maybe another time you will be talking. That's why I have things change. Oh, what'd you say? Um, that in another time... Things might change. You mean family? They change the way they treat each other when they get older and whatnot. Some reach out. Some, you know, just go the other way. You know, it's not always that when you're young because you're stuck with them. Because you're a kid, you got to be wherever you have to go, and the cousins are there. When they um, grow up, get married, get their own lives and whatnot, situations change. I mean, you might come, become close one day. It's still your family out there. If you like them, go for it. If they're toxic, stay the hell away from them. Things change. Okay. Thank you. I think they. I think that's. I think they can, but I don't see it too often. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think the reason for that is it's just my take on it. Um. You build up all those years of of anger against that individual or those people, whomever. And um, I, in fact, I have a lady that calls me, and she's in the same situation right now because of the holidays. And um, she doesn't. She wants to go and see family, but she has people in the family that are still toxic. So if she goes there. Those people, those individuals won't change. So I think it's a matter of the people. Some maybe do, and I think a lot don't. Because it takes a certain type of individual to be mean to children, okay? A certain type of individual. And and, and they're just not going to, uh, you know, change. They've done studies like with the, uh, the perverts, as I call them, the pedophiles, for three decades now. Three decades and they cannot get them to change. They're not going to change. That's the way they are. 
Yeah. yeah it's pretty much like a, a thing now. Like they have their own class. There's so many of them. And they're so like out in the open now. So it's just like any other group of people that you got to watch out for. And boy, do you got to watch out for them because they take advantage of kids. Kids that need people and you know turn to them and just kids on the street, family members who wouldn't think, oh my God, this person couldn't do that to the other person. So let's stick them like walls together. You don't even want to know about what's really going on. So unless you've got a really good relationship with your kid, which you establish immediately. Uh, come tell you if you're in a family situation that if you're a girl, what uncle, whoever he is, and the cousin, whatever was doing to you, you know that that's when you uh, really that's like like under prevention. That's what's needed. Because those are the times that you're going to come in contact with people you don't see frequently. So what they do to you is likely to remain a secret. You know, just between. Openness and all that between members, you know, for a kid just to run to if that happens. And then holidays turn all bad for them because they only have that kind of memory. It's so bad. So, yeah, we need a lot of contact with our kids around these days. We don't want them to end up like some of us are on the holidays. We want them better families. Mm hmm. Well, I'm working Christmas Day. <laughs> okay. Although, on Christmas Eve, the kids do come over here. You know, and, um, God, I hope I'm better by then. Oh, my God. But um, we'll have a big party here. And uh, But Christmas Day, I stay home. You know, and that's just the way it is because there's certain people I don't want to see even to this day. Okay. And I don't feel like I have this guy that calls me. He's only 26, I think he is, 27, I don't know, something like that. And um, we were talking about forgiveness. Oh, that's, that's a sore spot with me, okay. Because um, even studies show this. They know what they're doing, you know, when they're abusing us, okay. So why should we have to forgive them? You know what I'm saying? Um Mm-hmm. They know they're hurting us. They they know that they're doing wrong because, heck, even if you're not taught that stuff, you see TV, you, see, you read newspapers, if there are any anymore, you know, magazines, whatever, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. And, and still they, you know, choose to be that way. And now they have their own groups where they're trying to make that um, legal, for God's sake, to abuse children. They... Yeah, there's a couple of them out there. They're growing in number. And, and they think that it's okay to have, you know, sex with a child who's 11 years old, say. That it's okay. And they, they've been trying this for years. This isn't anything new. But it's getting stronger is what scares me, all right? Um, and what's wrong with people? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's sickening. And, no, I don't forgive those that abused me because they knew what they were doing. Now, I know what it says in the Bible, because I read the Bible from page one all the way through. And um, I was actually being punished one summer. Yes, they acted like they care about me. <laughs> I had to stay in the house. 
because I was drinking so much. So I read the Bible. And um, it says in the Bible how often do you have to forgive, you know, someone. And in the Bible, 70 times 70 times 70. In other words, continuously, continuously, continuously. But it also says in the Bible that children are a gift from God. Okay? That's what we are. We're a gift from God. And if you abuse children, then you're, sp- you're spitting in the face of God. That's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't forget them. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I'd like to jump in on the topic of forgiveness because I mm-hmm. think I'm at odds with a, a lot of survivors in that I don't forgive either. And the reason I don't forgive my my father was my abuser was that he never changed his behavior his entire life, and he lived to be 86. And on his deathbed, he was still inappropriate with me, believe it or not. I was, I, I was so shocked. I could not believe what he was saying. But what, how can I forgive somebody who never changed? He never even tried. So that's that's where I am with forgiveness. Anybody else want to comment on forgiveness? Yeah, I'm not into it either. <laughs> it's like what was done was done. <laughs> well, it is what it is. Well, yeah. They don't want to, you know, have to be forgiven. They wouldn't do it to you in the first place. So once they're going to do something that uh, they have to be forgiven for, I wouldn't even be bothered with them. Like I would cut them out and call them toxic, and that would be the end of it. It's just the way I am. No forgiveness for people who know what they're doing. Yeah. No. I feel um, the same way, too. Does forgiveness yeah. mean that you have to get along with that person and communicate with them, or does it, just, does it mean that you can still cut them out of your life and forgive them at the same time? That's a good question. Yeah, you don't have to be friends with them. Like you could forgive them and go your separate ways. You don't need to be friends with them. You know, I think it's more of how much, you know, this hate inside you um, festers and people say they need to be forgiven. It's more the person that wants to be forgiven. I mean, really, if you were going to forgive what they did, you wouldn't have reacted to what they did to you, so it was wrong. So you don't have to ever see them again. You want to forgive them, forgive them, whatever, and then you move on. That's how it goes. I'm trying to work on my forgiveness because it doesn't feel good to not forgive people. It just hurts. But, like, I think it's going to be a long process that's going to take years because of how deep it is. Yeah. That's why it's important to start. And you started. And look how far you already came. You know, you just keep sticking with it and go through the programs as you get, bigger, you know, stronger and whatnot. Because there's all kinds of programs in NASCAR, um, a lot of which you already know. So, yeah, it does take years, but i got to tell you something. It's worth it at the end because it is your life, that gift that came when you were born that you deserved to know and uh, like, love, and get to enjoy in spite of everything that was done to you. So if you go um, the angry way and not finding that goodness inside you, you've wasted your entire life. Basically, unless somebody else control it. 
once you're of the age where you get control and you start the healing journey, go as fast as whatever, you know, whatever it is you want to do, it'll happen. It takes years, it takes years. Some things don't, just don't. And believe it or not, the more times you tell your story or pieces of the story, the more times you talk, that's more time that you healed. That's how that journey goes. It goes in words, whether you talk or whether you do music or whether you write it down. Any which way you get it out, that's your your healing journey. And you're on it. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. You know, it just occurred to me that I haven't given out the phone number so that people can call us. I'll do that now. Please call us. The number is 646-595-2118. Give us a call and comment on what we're talking about or ask us questions or just tell us what's on your mind. Okay. I'll go on to the next section which is make your self-care a priority. Speaking of self-care, it is vital for your healing journey that you make caring for yourself a priority. This looks different for everyone. If the thought of a bubble bath makes you roll your eyes, but the idea of taking a long walk makes you feel peaceful, then walking may be a good form of self-care for you. Sometimes, something as simple as taking care of an everyday task that you've been putting off can be exactly what you need in a moment. Self-care is important for balance at all times of the year, but critical for survival in the holidays when stress can be more common. Okay, we were talking about art earlier, and to me, art is self-care. Um, Other things I do for self-care, mostly art, I think. I crochet a lot. Oh, and I sing. I sing a lot, and that (laughs) lifts my spirits. You know, I have a hard time singing without smiling. It just sort of happens. You know, you breathe deeply, and then you, you know, let your breath out with your notes. And just the deep breathing seems to improve my mood, too. So that's that's one of my self-care methods. Would anyone else like uh-huh. to talk about their self-care? I did um, hear once that yeah. Bill oh, had oh, played oh, instruments. Did you play the banjo or the guitar at one time? The banjo, the guitar, and the drums. And the wow. drums. Wow. Okay. Now, did you take lessons? Yes, but I wasn't that consistent with it because of all the abuse I was going on, so it was hard to focus. But so I remember a couple things. Okay, so you have a musical ear. That's a positive thing. You can get back mm-hmm. to that that time because that music part, I'll bet you, was probably part of the greatest times that you remember being away from the abuse during that time. So now that you have that, the gift, that's, that's a gift already because you've got three instruments right there, all right, and the banjo's not easy to, to play. So you could actually start um, gearing yourself uh, to start again, you know. Think about playing again. Think about the, the musical notes and all of that stuff. That, that's a place to want to go again. You know, I was just thinking about that yesterday. 
Yeah, coincidentally, right? Yeah, it means do it. Philip, it makes you feel really, really good, you know. Um, I sing also. You'd never know about my voice tonight. But I do a lot of singing. I sang in New York. I was a heavy-duty singer in New York. And uh, I met Tiny Tim. That was nuts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's so funny. But um, but anyway, um, the point is, uh, when I sing, I think most people who love music, all right, and it is like an outlet, okay? I, I can be in the worst mood or feeling very sad, okay, because I can still get depressed, okay? I was clinically depressed at one time. So if I start to sing, I feel better. And I can play the piano. I, I like singing better than the piano, though, and I play by ear, all right? So, I mean, I do love music. So if people can find something that makes them feel good and uplifts that spirit, um, especially if you have a depressed type of spirit, okay, then um, that that's healing right there. And afterwards, you just feel so much better. So you should get back into your music. You should. It'll make you feel better. Yeah, that's a thought. Yeah. That's a thought. I think so. You know, I used to, I used to be on this um, phone line for survivors where we'd all call in and we'd all be kind of like this, only it was just on the phone. And on the holidays, survivors would come on and sing, and they would come on and play their instruments and and read their poetry. It was just lovely. Um, They got to share their art. Yeah, it was really neat. Maybe we could talk about that for one of our shows, doing some of that. Yeah. That would be good. On Christmas, why not? That's the perfect yeah. thing. Make, sing something for everyone out there. Your voice will be better. Yeah. Maybe There's Philip something for you to shoot up for, Philip. I got two oh. guitars over here, too. I used to play the drums, too. But oh. that's how I know the banjo's hard. Yeah, so I know Philip, uh, I know his ear for music. And it's a wonderful world to be in. So in the month from now, Christmas, 25 days it'll be, you could get somewhere. Let's see what you do that day. Yeah. Hey, I could play uh, Christmas carols on the piano. <laughs> I could sing. Yeah. We you could We could do that. Um I have to make the kids, though, if they do stop over on Christmas Day, too, because they're always into football. I have to make sure they leave the room because the, the piano's in the living room, and that's where the big TV is. So, <laughs> but, yeah, um, we can do that. All right, it's um, a plan. All right, we got a date. <laughs> Does anybody yeah. have any other self-care ideas for us? Listening to music. Here we go. We all love music. Now, okay, I like the songs from the 70s. I'm 67. Mm -hmm. So all the songs in there, I know what Carol likes. Um, Annie, I don't know, and I don't know what Philip likes. 
But I'm curious, so since you play the instruments, what what were your years for the the music? I'm sorry. What was the question? Yeah, you know, when all the bands started coming out, like I came from the, like Journey uh, era, John, John Denver. What what singers and bands did you like as you were growing up? Well, the one that I had to do from my parents told me to do it was like um, Christian songs from church. Oh, okay. So you're familiar with hell songs then? That's when a whole yeah. a whole lot of people. That is come my friend from France um told me about them, one from Ireland too. And she got me into listening to them and you actually feel like your part makes you feel better. Okay, so now for Christmas we got Carol singing and playing them on there. I feel a little further. We should throw in a hell song on that day too. <laughs> well, we can much, we can all join you know, together. Listen, yeah, they, they, like, all right, people are going to listen. They're going to listen on Christmas because I've been there 14 years and I know people do tune in. Right, but we could we could all do that. We could sing songs. I don't care. You know, yeah, it, it doesn't always have to be. Yes. It then doesn't always have, have to be gloomy. It's it's good to have a little. It's good to have a lot of joy in your life if you can. Okay, so yeah. just to lift that spirit up, we could do that. Okay, cool. Now I'm gonna think of something to do. Yeah, I'm a visual person. Yeah, I have to get <laughs> songs <laughs> together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, we'll we'll do the uh, jolly ones. There you go, the jolly ones. Cool. Uh, but you were talking about decorations. I always leave that and you know, my husband to do, and he goes all out. And we live in a development where the owner of this whole mountain, he actually lives in this development in the biggest house going, and everybody says that his house is so decked out for Christmas that they come from neighboring towns to see it. You know, in New York, you'd have to go and drive around to see a house. Yeah, I that. know, yeah. I know, but there's something magical about those lights. Um, what kind yeah. of yeah? What kind of like decorations did we all have when we were growing up for the holidays? I mean, did we put on like um, Christmas trees with lights and all that, or did we have like I had nothing? You know, where are we on that? Uh, my family was very decorative. Um, you'd think my mother believed in God, and she didn't. <laughs> okay. But when it came to Christmas and, and Easter, um, she was uh, very decorative. And I wish she had believed in God, but she didn't. But we would have beautiful trees always. And, you know, the ones that were cut, not like the plastic ones. I'm using the plastic now. I don't like messes. All right. So, but anyway, she had the uh, the big ones. And... We would have so many, you know, balls and, and all kinds of stuff all over the lights and everything. And my stepfather, he would uh, decorate outside beautifully. I mean, I grew up with that. Yeah, I did. I absolutely okay, that's did. A good, that's a good memory. Well, there is yeah, one in there. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Did I have you a grow few. up with Philip? Did your father and your mother decorate? Well... We had a Christmas tree every year, and we didn't put lights outside. And we have a Christmas mm-hmm. tree this year. 
Okay, and there were gifts under it? Did they get you yeah. a lot of stuff? Excellent. That's a good memory then. Mm-hmm. I never got a gift in my life. <laughs> Not kidding. I laugh at it. You know, my husband, now he did, but as a kid, nothing. Nothing at all. So consider yourself lucky with that one. Okay. It's something you know what? I give myself present. Go ahead. I'm going to call off anyway. Hold on. Go ahead. (laughs) I give myself presents for Christmas. Because. What do you get? Well, I got. I can't tell you because it's not Christmas yet. No, I'm kidding. I got, uh, so um, tell me last Christmas then. What did you get yourself last Christmas? Last Christmas? Do I remember that? <laughs> no. Hey, if I No, but I'll, I'll tell you, I got a new pair of shoes for Christmas this year. Okay, cool. So that, I'm, I'm very happy about that and a dress. So I'll have a nice Christmas dress. Oh, okay. All right, so you're going to open the yeah. gifts on Christmas Eve. That's how that yeah, I wrap works. them. They're from they're from Santa, you know. Wow. <laughs> I forget okay. what's in them, so it's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> do you you do you lo- does anyone lose Christmas gifts or any kind of gifts? You put them someplace safe, and then when you go there, you re- don't you realize that you forgot where you put them. Yes. <laughs> I do it every single year. And I'm not kidding, and it happens in this house, too. I've already lost two Christmas gifts. <laughs> I find them throughout the year, and then I hand them out and say, Merry Christmas. I think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> they laugh, but I honestly think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> well, I have All great right, children, so- okay? Yeah, I have grandchildren, and and I have great grandchildren too now. So much fun! Wow. So, I I love you know we have all the gifts for the kids, and for each other we usually just exchange cards with money, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because uh, we spend so much on the kids, that's what we do. But and that's okay, because I love to see the joy on their faces, you know, when they're opening up their gifts and stuff. It's a good time of the year if the family is together. And I can say that for the most part, my family is, um, you know, together, my children, the grandchildren, and, and the great-grandchildren. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's good. It's like we, we broke the cycle. We broke the cycle. Yeah, that's that pretty awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know what anybody that's else's something to family does. Yeah. What you got going on there, yeah, I think that's really nice. Mm -hmm. So, again, to Philip, are you going to see your family this Christmas? Are you there, Philip? Well, yeah, sorry, I was on mute. Um, Oh, okay. I live with my my mom, so I'll be seeing my mom and my siblings might come over. But I don't think I'll be seeing my dad. Yeah, and he's the one you have the problem with. Yeah. yeah. So, that, so that's a good thing. All right, so you have hopes yeah. of having a, a decent Christmas, too. You know, yeah. That's good to hear. You're down by me. Nancy, My birthday's so what close. about you? I haven't heard Nancy? her all night. <laughs> she Where is she? Where'd she go? 
Well, she did say she, she was there? doing something, too, you know, at the same time. So maybe she figured something and we showed up. And then she finished with yeah. it. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, this is good. You know, survivors, um, we kind of band together when we find out. You know, because there are so many of us. And that's okay. I mean, we have the right to be happy. And we've got the right to talk about other things, you know, than just hard, you know, you know, stories and whatever. Because that's how we show that we have thrived. You know, we're not the same that we used to be. You know, we grew up and we all went on our healing journeys. And now we've become more of who we're supposed to be. So people mm-hmm. should know that, you know, you do the work and whatever it is you get to, you will get to a place where you're comfortable enough, you know. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. I, I did it, you know. Look what they did to me, but I'm not who they made me out to be. I'm still me. You know, being happy, that's the worst thing an abuser of yourself can stand. They cannot stand it. <laughs> when you, They can't see the effect on you that they gave you. They hate it. That's That's true. That is so true. Right? Yeah. Well, that's why I stay away from the older crowd, okay? Because their brains are still where they were 30 years ago or something like that, whatever. And that would definitely be a downer at Christmas time, okay? I have a couple cousins left. That's it. Jeez. Um, I'm in the middle of the oldest. Okay, in other words, there's one two years younger than me, and then there's me, and there's one two years older than me. Everybody else died. They were born, some of them, in the 1800s. Can you imagine that? Wow. Is that Honestly, weird? no. Yeah, kind of. I weird. know. But when I say they came over on the Mayflower. Yeah, it used to be an expression, but you know people for real. (laughs) Oh, it it was for real. Um, In fact, uh, a part of my family had the coat of arms, I believe it's called. Yeah, we got one um, in our living room. The Irish thing has got going. Yeah. So, you see... um, I'm 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 almost gone. I mean, we're almost all gone from my generation. So is what I'm saying. They're they're dead. I don't miss them. <laughs> I think that may sound terrible, but I don't miss them because it was like um, it was a horror show. It was a horror show. That's what it was. So mm-hmm. I I have my my family now. My children, grandchildren, great grandchildren. And uh, I'm sort of like making up my childhood through them. I'm having a childhood, okay? Not the second childhood, like what they're talking about. No, 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 no. <laughs> what, what I'm saying. We're not going to home. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about, like, their lives are so much different than what my life was. So now I'm enjoying watching them play and, and you know, be children and, and not have the trouble that we had, okay? So mm-hmm. I'm like a big kid myself. <laughs> That's the way I am. No, but it sounds really good, though. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's not a matter of numbers that you have. It's the amount of mm-hmm. that 
goodness of the person that you spend time with, either before, on, or whenever, even during the, the holiday season. Sometimes you need to see, you'll see people more often, but sometimes you just need that one special person just to spend some time with you, and it lasts for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does. It absolutely does. I mean, I'm so much happier today, even though my husband passed away in 2017, and I haven't, I mean, I I could go out if I want, but I don't want to go out because I can't choose right, okay? We talk about this. And um, sometimes I get lonely. Yes, I do. And I will go out, okay? But what I'm saying is I'm free. Um, I can come and go as I want. I don't have any bosses. I put this on Facebook. I got a lot of people laughing at me and so all this stuff. But I don't have any bosses, right? I can I can do anything I want. And you know something? I like that. Mm, I really do. I think I want to go ski down the mountain before I drop dead. Honestly. <laughs> There's mountains here. I kind of just want to go down one. Let's just fit that in. I'm not too old to do it. I might be broken. I might get broken. But it would be a fun trip down. Yeah, you be careful doing that, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah right. I Me mean, with everything else I get doing. Well, yeah, we got to fit that in. What we didn't do as a child, you know, all those good games and whatever, we could still bring them into our years as we go on and still enjoy them, you know? Sure. So, I mean, this way, if, say, we ice skate, and you're little, there's a chance of getting you know, your ankle bro- broken, but by now we know what position to get into, so we could just have the fun, you know? That's mm-hmm. what we got to do. Well, I think that's what I'm talking about, you know, because so many of us didn't have fun when we were kids because of what we were living through, okay, surviving yeah. through. Mm-hmm. So no if we fun. can have it, no. So if we mm-hmm. can have it as we exit this world, if you will, of course that's not going to be for about 20 years with me, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, um, you know, it, it's good. It's all good. So I, I just enjoy being around, you know, my kids, their kids, and their kids. And uh, we just have a, a really, really good time. My son is a wonderful musician. And um, my daughter-in-law can sing really well. And I can still sing. I can carry a note. I can sing. Um, her mother, who passed away oh, about two years ago now, she was a true songbird. She she could sing opera. Do I like opera? No. <laughs> but I mean she could <laughs> sing it. <laughs> you know. I mean she you didn't was let her know wonderful. that, did you? No, I, I don't know too many people that like opera. I don't know. But anyway she I she do. could I well, do. there are people that do. There are I th- Annie, do you like opera? No. I I joined the opera show. and went for a year and I hated it. <laughs> I just yeah, like I, I, I thought I might like it. Yeah, yeah it's the one I'm running through it either. I can't hmm. sit through a story. I like musical theater. <laughs> Civic Light Opera, they call it. Oh, I love going theater. to Broadway. Go yeah. to Broadway. Oh, seen... I have seen over, I have seen over fifty Broadway shows. That's one wow. thing I had in common. Yeah. 
We had that in common. And he worked. He was a part of 9-11. He was there. He saw the towers toppling down. He was right there. He had a, um, a meeting on Church Street that day. And uh, soon after that, yes, he became sick. And before you know it, he uh, he did die from, from cancer. But um, oh. we had certain things in common. We loved Broadway. We loved going castle hunting. It was fun, and I was always hoping spooks would come out. <laughs> you know, that's the way I am. And and uh, and and then taking rides and, and going out to dinner. I mean, there were things that we did have in common. Absolutely. And music. I mean, oh my God, I love music. Yeah, I think music does everything. You have to have music. My father was a musician. He. He played a guitar, banjo, anything with strings. And it turns mm-hmm. out that my sister sang. I didn't like the, mm-hmm. the way her voice sounded, but they used to sing. And the guy down the block, you know, they even made a record and whatnot. And what my sister and I remember from our childhood after all the insanity is the good music we had. That's what we focused on. Well, you see, that that gives you joy. It gives you something to look back on, okay? I mean, there are people that don't have any good memories, and that's really so, so, so sad. So then I always try to tell them, if there's people that I know like that, and there are a few, then make new memories. Make memories now. Yeah, because I you have to, you, know, you have to, yeah, you have to find joy somewhere. And um, I had one guy call me, and I, and I said, call, the next time you call me, tell me three things that make you happy. He never called me back. Oh, I remember you saying you didn't think you would. That is so. He couldn't think of, he couldn't even think of three things. Philip, what makes mm-hmm. you, like, happy? Like, what music? Is it actually playing the instrument? I mean, do you song right? What is it about the music that attracted you? Uh, um, like, I like a lot of pop and country music, and it just inspires me to be a fun person. Okay, so you're a lyric person. You listen. Are you able mm-hmm. to write music or poetry that could be actually made into music? Do you no. think you got that in you? No? Okay. Maybe so I'll develop it, though, because I've been growing in a lot of areas. Yeah. I mean, you just express some stuff down on paper, and, you know, maybe along the way you meet somebody and they can turn it into a song. That's how a lot of music is made. So oh, definitely yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so bad. I mean... <laughs> The only thing that used to make me good passing, I used to, you know, play finger picking all the time on the guitar and John Denver. It was so easy. So when I was like always down, which was most of the time, I would grab my father's guitar and I would play. And I felt better. It took my head away from, you know, where I was, what I did and stuff like that. And that that's what music did for me. Well, music is a wonderful thing. Now, my my piano playing is mixed. 
because sometimes when I was feeling really bad because of bad things happening in the house, which I won't go into detail about, but I would go over to the piano, and I didn't play too nice, <laughs> okay? I sort of like, like, I took out my anger on songs, you know, and, and I was just so angry, so angry. And then I would have the other side of me where um, I would compose songs, and I did have one stolen, I told you that. And it was on TV, for God's sake, um, when Exxon, Exxon used to be Esso Gas Station. Um, one of my friends called me up, and they said, Cow, cow, turn on Channel 5 quick. I said, what for? Turn it on. So, okay, I go over, I turn it on. And, and here's my song. And, and this this family is going up, you know, on vacation, and I think they had a dog hanging out the window. I'm not sure. I think they did. And there was my song. I was fixated more on the, the song than what I was watching going up the mountain. So I had a song stolen. And that hurt. It did. And, and my mother wouldn't help me. You know, I mean, we should have done something about it. Legally. Yeah, definitely. I know. Well, it must but have been I a great song, Carol. Well, it was. I loved rock and roll. I, I loved rock and uh-huh. roll. This was not a rock and roll. This was very classical. But it was a calming song to me. So I had a bad habit, and this is how it got stolen. Um, this guy lived down the street from where we lived, and he was a musician, and also, too, he would um, help people get started in the music world, okay? So he came over to my house, and my friends were there with the Fab Five. I've spoken about that before. And um, I had a bad habit. I would play this very calming, beautiful song on the piano, and he recorded it. That's how my song got stolen. I didn't know he recorded it. Yeah. So the only good thing I can get out of that is... At least it made it on the TV, all right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like sour yeah. grapes, is like saying say in psychology, right? Uh, sour grapes, because, uh, um, I mean, it's sweet and sour all at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a shame. You got messed up twice. Yeah, it was a shame. Yeah, but I, I don't worry about it anymore. Uh, it bothered me for some years, and... Um, when I was a little kid, I used to play a, um, a pipe organ. Oh, my God. Do you know what year that was from? <laughs> and I had an aunt. <laughs> it, was, it was wild looking. It was almost scary looking. It was gothic looking. That's what it was. But um, I would play that um, that organ, and people would line up outside of her house. I didn't even realize they were doing that to listen to me play because I played by ear. Right? I played by ear. And... Um, so I was playing these songs I made up or heard on the whatever and played it on there. And uh, so I, I have a lot of musical abilities and talents in my family, too, not just me. And and my son is very, very gifted. You only hear the song they made for the show, but if David lets loose, oh, honey, <laughs> he can play. Yes, he can. I love that song for the show. Absolutely love it. There are people who wanted to buy it, and I gave it, and Bill was very possessive of it. He said, oh, no, 
that was a gift from Carol's son. And there's just no way that anybody's going to get that song. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, you know, he was very possessive. I don't think he'll ever change it, I swear to God, because he's, unless David makes up another song. I don't know, but... Um, <laughs> I, I always sort of like wish that he could now. I mean, it's been around since two, what, 2014 or something. It's still you know. a wonderful song. Well, yeah. it, the, the lyrics, the lyrics. Yeah. Um, that's a friend of his. Uh, that's a friend of his singing. And uh, David made the song. He plays lead guitar. And I've mentioned before the one that plays bass. He played with the Rolling Stones. And um, he had a whole his own place, his own music. Um, area building. I don't know what the heck. I, just, I can't think. My head is killing me. And um, so the guy who was singing knew him well. This guy that has his own place, and so that's where the song was created and made, and and so forth. And uh, he's a very good guitar player too. But when a person plays, um, if they don't play lead, a lot of times they get drowned out. You know, you don't realize quite the um, abilities that they have. But I like the fact that he played with the Rolling Stones. And this is something that, you know, my son was involved with. This is good. Yeah. You know what? We're almost out of time. We've only got a minute left. So I'm going to have oh to do God. a little sign-off. I know. Thank you so much, Lori and Philip and Carol and Dr. Nancy. Well, you're welcome. And Thank you for saving my voice. And <laughs> yeah, that's good. You were fine. Yeah. Well, Thank you to everybody I, who listened. And, okay, um, well, we'll me do this again. This we'll year, have... We'll say yeah, we will. Okay, and I'm <laughs> going to hit the, hit the beautiful song that Carol's son wrote, and here it is. Okay. Good night. Good night now. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.